This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live once again. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, March 25th, wherever and however you're connected. Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who is oh-so-ready for 60-yard field goals in September, Jerem Jordan. That'd be nice. We've talked about how maybe football will be delayed. I don't know, but uh, your boy Cash Peterman, who was on a mission, he's now home, he's uh, posting videos of him kicking field goals. We have a 61-yarder from Cash Peterman. Now, first off, uh, Cash, that's the greatest name for anyone who has to make a field goal, a shot, a, a golfer, you know, any kind. 61 yards, bang, baby. Right down the middle, too, which is pretty awesome. Now, now here's the thing. I don't get overly excited about these videos because there's no rush. There's no stadium. There's no pads. You know what I mean? There's no wind in, in this case, in this park, I think, in Arizona. We ta- uh, but he's got the leg. Yeah, do you have and the power in the leg? He-Man did, right? The power of Grayskull. We, the last time we talked to Cash was at the Fan Fest in Mesa right before he went on his mission. So now he's back. He's going to compete um, at kicker. Try and challenge Jake Oldroyd, and uh, he's a walk-on, and uh, let's go, man. It's always good to have multiple kickers. I've talked with the sound of the football coming off. I've talked with Lee Johnson about this, about the sound of the football coming off of the foot. He was Thunderfoot. That was his nickname. The sound of that football is nice. I mean, he's attacking the ball. So, again, it's not, it's not worth anything because it doesn't count. There's no rush, but the power in the leg, it's nice yeah. to see. The power it's of the nice Wasatch, you know, the band, right? With long field goals in mind, that takes us to a very ambitious and early stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The BYU football record for longest field goal made in a game is 56 yards. Mm. Owen Potchman did it in 2000 against New Mexico. Only 56. When I looked it up, I thought it would be a little bit longer. It's 56. BYU made a 50-yard field goal for the first time in 13 years this year. So 50-plus, uh, those have been uh, rare. Owen, Owen Potchman, player on and off the field. <laughs> Not everyone knows his post-BYU career, do they? He was uh, a great kicker. I mean, he had uh, a game with five field goals made. He made 66 field goals in his career from 97 to 2000. He made all the bunnies, Spencer. Yeah, Owen Potchman was money. Yeah. We're hoping that cash can be cash money. Yeah. Bunnies. Anyway, moving on. Okay. Yeah. If you I know, think, you know. I think the legs to do it are at BYU. It's a matter of hitting that opportunity <laughs> when given it. Let's go. Here's today's show lineup. BYU baseball coach and a guy your wife probably has a crush on, Mike Littlewood in Studio B. What's True. life like with no baseball? Matchup number three in our BYUSN best play of the season bracket, plus Jake Toulson's path back to BYU in a deep blue feature, and in honor of Jake the Make's memorable, hypothetical 40-footer to put BYU in Joe Lenardi's pretend Sweet 16, his top five actual games of the season. All right, bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. In a video conference call yesterday, head coach Kalani Sitake said Jason Ayu and your boy, hashtag Jack DeMooney, have taken over recruiting coordinator responsibilities after the departure of Alema Fatissimanu. Contrary to other reports, specific job titles and descriptions have yet to be assigned. 
So this is new, and I think you're seeing the impact already on the football recruiting Twitter handle. They're being much more active there. So a shakeup at uh, that position. BYU basketball all-timer Yoli Childs. And yes, he is an all-timer. Yoli ranks 41st out of 50 on SB Nation's list of the best men's college basketball players in 2019-2020. I think that's a little bit low, personally, and lower than some other notable lists we've seen. But Childs moves on. Not surprisingly, he's hired an agent in preparation for his NBA dreams. And this time, it's okay. A.B. Stainton and Haley P2 received all MRGC Bars honors from the gymnastics team. The rest of the awards and honors will be announced today. Congratulations to Abby and Haley. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Trio Senior Living. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. 2020-2021 BYU basketball. Here's looking at you. I really hate to do this in late March, especially with BYU basketball in Joe Lenardi's pretend sweet 16. But here we are, season halted, pushing it forward. The Cougars lose an extraordinary group of seniors, including Yoli Childs, Jake Toulson, TJ Haas, Dalton Nixon, and Zach Selyus. But hope springs eternal, especially if you ask the staff. Jerem, what does BYU basketball have coming back next season? Well, let's talk about it. So the top returners, uh, as of now, BYU will only have one senior on the squad. That's Alex Barcelo. I anticipate that BYU will sign a grad transfer or two um, to add to that. But you have Colby Lee, Connor Harding, Gavin Baxter, and Trevin Nell are the guys that kind of played that will be on the team next year. Uh, the newcomers, Richard Harward, he was redshirting. His last 10 games at Utah Valley uh, averaged a 13-8. and eight. So solid inside presence, expected to probably start. Wyatt Lowell, 6'10 shooter, he was the WAC newcomer of the year despite averaging four or five points per game as a freshman. Sorry, freshman of the year there. Uh, redshirted this year, 6'10. We'll see what he can do. Uh, Three-point specialist, 38% from distance. Spencer Johnson will be a sophomore, 13 a game at uh, Salt Lake Community College. Shot 39% from three. Hunter Erickson's back from a mission. He was a kid at Timpview that put up 22 a game as a junior there. And then uh, Cameron Pearson, a sophomore walk-on. Walk-on's always you know, up in the mix um, of, of being on the team or not. We'll see. And then Jesse Wade's a question mark. He's been really injured, never played this year. Um, this was his uh, sophomore season. He'll be a junior. We'll see if Jesse can get healthy and uh, be a contributor. We'll see you there. So uh, BYU has uh, a commitment from... Uh, someone else that we can't mention until BYU announces it, perhaps in the middle of April in that signing, uh, second signing period there. Um, and then uh, that's kind of the team. So it looks like BYU has two, maybe three scholarships open. If you follow National College Basketball Insiders, BYU is certainly going after transfers. Uh, this is, Mark Pope himself was a transfer, right, from Washington to Kentucky. Chris Burgess, of course, uh, from Duke to Utah. So these guys understand the value of finding the right fit. Um, I look at this roster and I think, okay, there's some quality on this roster. This will certainly be a step back. When you lose three seniors, your three leading scorers, no less, uh, top three, it will certainly be different than last year. That doesn't mean BYU can't compete in the uh, WCC and perhaps take second and perhaps even be bubblicious, make the tourney. Too early to kind of know at this point. But uh, there's some solid pieces returning for BYU. There are almost 500 players in the transfer portal already. That number is growing by the day. And you know Mark Pope, based on his history and staff, are busy scouring that potential gold mine. 
I'd be shocked if there weren't an addition or two to the current setup from the transfer portal. But for the time being, Jeremy, I'm going to give you my starting five going into next season. And BYU is going to have a ton of size. Alex Barcelo, the lone senior, will be the point guard. Trevin Nell at the two, sharpshooter. Connor Harding is your three as a guard forward. And then Richard Harward, I think, will be the starting four. You mentioned his 13 and 8 average in his last 10 games at Utah Valley University before having to sit out this year as a redshirt. And then throw in a healthy, acclimated Gavin Baxter, athletic as the forward center off the bench. How about Colby Lee as a spark after what he did this season? Love that. Wyatt Lowell is a 6'10 shooter. Colby Lee and Wyatt Lowell can both shoot the three. So I love the size and their range. Different kind of three-point shooters. You talked about Spencer Johnson and Hunter Erickson, what they bring. And, yeah, we're all interested to see what Jesse Wade could potentially bring back if he can get healthy. He's just been, unfortunately, weighted down with those injuries. Some names that, uh, Jeremy, as you mentioned, we can't announce because they haven't officially signed with the program. Do you want to say them since we can't say it? I don't want to say them. (laughs) I do not want to do that. We have to play by the rules. We are BYU. Thanks, Longhorn Network. You ruined it for everybody. This will just be an entirely different looking BYU team because of the size differential. 6'10 Harvard, 6'9 Baxter, 6'9 Colby Lee, 6'10 Wyatt Lowell. That's very different than this year when at times the only big on the court was Yoli Childs or even Zach Selyus was the biggest player on the floor sometimes this year. It's just going to be a totally different setup. Here are the alphas to me on this team so far. It's Alex Barcelo. And it's Richard Harward. This guy is vocal, outspoken, uh, crazy to some degree, we're told, in practice, right? So I see those two guys uh, there. Guys who will make a huge leap. Connor Harding and Gavin Baxter, to me, will make vast improvements. Connor Harding is going to become a guy that's like a a 12-a-game guy at least, continue to shoot. He'll be more aggressive. He... He played second fiddle to the seniors this year and knew his role. So, so did Alex Barcelo. If Barcelo and Harding are more aggressive, that's where you make up some of the points from T.J. Haas and Jake Toulson. Um, and then shooters. I think BYU still has shooters on this team. Barcelo, Harding, Lowell, Johnson, among others. Um, excited. And Nell, of course. Sorry, left out Nell. Um, among others. So I, I like this group. BYU does need two dogs, though, to join. If BYU is going to make the tourney, they need two more impact players. They can't be just whatevers. I, I think this team does need another guy that's a double-digit scorer to come into the mix because we just don't know exactly what we're going to get from a couple of guys. Like, we hope Richard Harward is a 10-7 and 7 guy, right? We, we hope that Alex Barcelo makes the jump from a 10-a-game guy to a 15-a-game guy. And he's going to have the ball in his hands more. Um, remember, he hits, what, six threes at LMU without a single play run for him. Guess what? Alex Marcel is going to have some plays run for him this year. And I do think that BYU needs specifically a couple of seniors. Um, if they have the one senior, that's fine. But it'd be nice to get a couple of grad transfers. Ah, uh, yes, that senior factor, which was clearly, clearly in play this year. And you mentioned a dog, like a guy that will come in and score right away. There just so happens to be one at a place that Mark Pope used to coach at, at Utah Valley University. We can't mention his name, but he is in the transfer portal, and he is a very good player, and I am sure BYU is talking to him. So there will be opportunity there. I think this team will, not surprisingly, again, be in the top tier of the West Coast Conference. They'll be in the top three. And knowing Mark Pope, he'll probably surprise us again because that's what he does. What would be a surprise? Uh, being a single-digit seed. I oh, think, making the tourney. Uh, yeah. To me, making the tourney would be somewhat of a surprise. See, I think BYU yeah. is 
will be good enough to be on the bubble and be a, a 10 through 12 seed. They'll be in that conversation. Being a single digit seed would be the surprise for me, just because I had, I had that much faith in what Mark Pope does. He gets the most out of his players. He uh, he's shocked us this year uh, by getting to that five six seed line, and BYU had twenty four wins, and they beat Gonzaga. I mean, yeah. it's just what he does. It's easy to say we believe. It's harder to do it. And what BYU benefited from this year was a schedule that allowed them to lose uh, a few more games. Um, than than you would with a less tougher schedule, a weaker schedule, right? Well, BYU's not going to have as good of a schedule. They're just not. They're not playing in Maui. That was a great tournament. That's the best tournament. They're playing in the Junkanoo Jam, Jeremy. Don't you dare berate that amazing tournament. It's not an amazing tournament compared to Maui. Like, it's it's one of the best they can do outside of Maui. They're going to do their best, right? (laughs) But Dave Rose set BYU up with these amazing series, San Diego State and Houston and whatnot. Those were good series. So, I'm. We're still kind of waiting for Mark Pope to give us the is Kentucky on the schedule, right? Is a Duke, is a North Carolina, had an off year. Iona is where Rick Pitino is headed now from Panathinaikos with Jimmer to Iona. You'd think that Iona is going to be on the schedule in the next year or two with Rick Pitino, the old head coach for Mark Pope there. Can BYU, yeah, pull some of this? BYU always be able to get these teams in the West. Like, BYU will play the Washingtons and the USC's and the Stanford's, right? What, what big-time crazy thing will, will Mark Pope do in scheduling? Because he has crazy ambition. Mm-hmm. He has crazy ambition. So I'm, I'm excited to watch that. This season will be unique, though, because BYU is all in. It wasn't just that these guys were seniors per se. It's that BYU hadn't gone to the tourney with a lot of these guys. Jake Toulson and Dalton Nixon had been to an NCAA tournament before their missions. Um, but... They had four years' worth of angst, and if you add some guys' missions, six, mm-hmm. that's not the thing going into this year, unless they use the, we didn't actually get a playing attorney thing as some sort of self-motivation. But BYU know, knew it was good. They were in the top 14, for goodness sake. Beat Gonzaga, you know, and, and you finish with St. Mary's, which is like a sour note, but I think we've kind of shed that to the side to be like, oh, what was good about this year? So I'm excited to see this team kind of figure that out and grow and see which guys emerge. It's certainly not going to be as good of a team as last year. Like, I'd be unbelievably shocked if BYU somehow was better. I, I don't think they're see a year it. away. I think they're one year away from potentially doing something special again because they'll have experience and they'll have more seniors in the room. I think two years away, but next year they're again, they, so they I, could I think surprise BYU us can, and make the tournament. I think BYU could still be good. Absolutely. I think uh, we're, we're probably going to go into next year and go, okay, somehow make the tournament. Just scrap your way into there. I don't even care what seed. Like, BYU's single digit season is like, whoa. Like, that'd, that'd be the surprise. That'd be amazing. Yeah. All right. Our voice of the nation question all about next year's BYU basketball team. I know. It hurts because it feels like this move season on still hasn't point. finished. But what are we going to do? Just look back and turn the page. No. We've got to turn taking, the page. We're taking Mark Pope's advice, right? We're looking forward. We can look back all we want. What has you excited as you look ahead to next year's BYU basketball team? Let's get to voice of the nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Curtis Garrick on Instagram. Colby Lee. He went from last year's Where's the Ball? What? 
to this year's, if you're looking for the ball dude, I just put it in the bucket. Not only is he massive underneath, but he has dramatically improved his skill set. Can't wait to see what he's going to do next season. That quick shot, he's developed his range. Colby Lee was an integral part of this BYU basketball team. And if you need... More reference for that, just see the fact that he didn't play against St. Mary's. I think that was a huge impact, not having Colby Lee on the floor, being able to match up with some of St. Mary's size. Yeah, 51-50, low-scoring game. Those, those were decided, uh, you know, 3-2-1 um, in, in terms of margin. And his development was notable because who else can develop in a similar way? And we saw great player development from this crew. Listen, we've talked about this the last couple of years. BYU has had top 100 ESPN guys and and they brought him in but that BYU went one and done with those guys so player development is really important to get a guy like TJ Haas to make a leap Jake Toulson was a guy that uh, went on a mission and and came home early and struggled with uh, some of those things we're going to outline that in deep blue coming up a little bit but but he overcame that and developed as a player in an amazing way and and so who else can develop can Richard Harward become the next great post player at BYU? Can Spencer Johnson be this amazing shooter from outside? Alex Barcelo went from nobody at Arizona to somebody on a top 15 team, a starter. I'm excited to see this staff develop them. And let's hope that this whole staff stays intact in the offseason, by the way. There's some hot commodities. What's different about BYU is when they get their four stars and their five stars, the majority of those players are still going on missions. So the development is interrupted. Well, not at the moment. <laughs> the development has been interrupted in the past. You talk about on purpose. Gavin Baxter, yeah. Peyton Dastrip, TJ Hawes, like all those guys went on missions and had to come back. So it's just different than getting a four-star or five-star right out of high school that can just play and not have that significant interruption. Uh, BYU. It's, it's a I choice they made, though. Yeah, I know. No, I feel I know. you. I'm saying I, I feel it's BYU needs experience and older players to be great. And if it's where, uh, more Jeff Campbell's return missionary, Jeff, where are you at? Then they're going to be 23 or 24. BYU needs older players to be great. I feel very strongly about that. Yeah. Whether they're, well, we have them. That's never been an issue. Four stars or not coming out of high school. So experience. We, we've had those guys the last couple of years. Just this year. We had the right guys. Yeah. The only well, didn't go on a mission. Jake Tulson didn't go two full years. Like they were, they weren't gone the full two years too. That but helped. the majority still did go on missions. And it, and if you, I, and it's their choice, whatever. There's no athletic value in going on a mission. In fact, there's devalue. And if you look at the great, the the greatest BYU players in history, most of the best didn't even go on a mission. So my point exactly. Yeah, a mission is an inhibitor it's, athletically, but it can be an advantage. That's what we like to say because right. it makes us feel good about it. Let's keep things rolling. <laughs> Hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Coming up, it's Bushman versus Haas in today's BYUSN Best Play Bracket. And BYU baseball coach Mike Littlewood joins us next. He tells us why crying may just be allowed in baseball right now and how a recent NCAA ruling shapes his team's immediate future. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
The bracket continues. Top eight plays from football and basketball going against each other. Vote on today's matchup. We'll outline it in the next segment on vote.byutv.org. We are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Our first guest of the day joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Skype. He is Mike Littlewood. We mentioned earlier your wife probably has a crush on him. Coach, it's great to have you on the show. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Coach, given the circumstances, I, for one, think crying should be allowed at least a little bit in baseball because what we're going through is really rough. What do you think? Man, I, it, if you were in that meeting with us that day, um, you, would have, you would have had some tears. It was, um, it was just surreal. It was just nobody really knew what to do, um, you know, and, and nobody really could find the words. And it's just like everybody's staring, staring at one another and, we got through it. I mean, we got through it, but it was um, it was tough, especially for Ben Weiss, Jared Lesser, and Abe Valdez, our seniors, who literally thought that their college careers were over. Um, and uh, so the the you talked about it a little bit at break. The the ruling helped, and we'll talk about that a little bit. I'm sure, but it was a tough day. You were waiting to play a home game and the first WCC game. Spencer's waiting to call the game. The 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 process of figuring that out was was pretty wild. What was that day like as you realized, okay, we're not playing a game, and then beyond that, the next day, the NCAA cancels the uh, the seasons. Well, it was it was the day was interesting. I got a call from Brian Santiago, who's my um, direct boss, at about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock, and uh, saying that we're going to play, but it's it's probably going to be without any fans, uh, no family, no scouts, nobody in the stands. And I thought, well, at least at least we're able to play the game. And then a couple hours later, it was, hey, it looks like um, we're going to cancel the weekend. It's just kind of see how what's going on. In the meantime, I'm sitting in my office like I am right now watching TV. And, um, and along the bottom line, it said the SEC postpones their baseball season for three weeks. And I thought, oh, that's that's kind of what we – I mean, they're kind of the gold standard in baseball. So we, we kind of knew that would happen. Then the PAC did it, and then the Mount West did it, then the WAC did it. So I felt like we were next. Um, and then Brian talked to me about 3.30 and said, it looks like we're done because the NCAA had canceled the World Series. And so just in a matter of three hours, it was, it was over. It was just crazy. Yeah, pretty wild how fast those dominoes fell. You brought up three guys that thought they were going to be playing there last year and how emotional that could be. But the NCAA is offering an extra year for guys like Ben Weiss, Abe Valdez, and Jared Lesser. How will that impact your program next season? Well, it, it's going to be a positive for us, no, no doubt about it, and a positive for them, I hope. Uh, I have talked to Ben Weiss, and um, Ben, left-handed pitcher, just an awesome kid. He's, he's not going to come back. He's going to get on with life. He's going to graduate. Interesting enough, all three of those guys will graduate um, on time. And so whether they delay and take a couple classes or whether they go into a, uh, uh, advanced degree is yet to be determined pro ball is an option, you know, if, if that happens. And so if this were to happen to answer your question, it's going to be a positive for us because we only have two roster spots that we're going to have to jam up. If it would have happened to us last year, we had nine seniors with 16 freshmen coming in and 20 new guys. I mean, that would have, uh, it would have kind of destroyed the whole con- – I mean, we planned two, three years ahead. We have 2022 20, kids, probably six of them who have committed to us already. Those are sophomores right now. Um, and so it, it really kind of would would have backed things up. But for us, it's going to be really, really smooth if we get Jared Lesser and Abe Valdez to come back if they if they choose to do so. 
And still some details from the NCA that need to be clarified relative to are we increasing your scholarship amount? Is Are there the minimums adjusted for how many uh, people you can share that with and so on? So we'll figure that out. Then there's this, Mike, and perhaps you also have this issue. Missionaries coming home that may have uh, finished their service at 21 months or are being reassigned. And it's, it's, a lot of that's up in the air. Will the missionary uh, situation affect BYU baseball? Uh, yeah, it will. Um and I won't name names, but we've had a couple of missionaries come back just uh, just in the last couple of weeks, just as you mentioned. And, um, you know, I've had to tell them that we plan on you being gone two years. And so if you're on scholarship, your your scholarship has to be delayed because there's no other way we can do it. And that's something we always deal with. And I'm sure every other sport does. But, we, you know, we're dealing with missionaries leaving, coming back, changing their mind if they want to go. Um, some of them get ho- sent home early for, for various reasons. And, and so we, our scholarships are really planned out three, sometimes four years in advance. And so it throws a little wrench in it, but it's not something we're, we're, um, that's unique to us. We, we kind of deal with that. We were talking about it before the break too, how certainly built into BYU athletics is the fact that a lot of young men and now some young women go on missions, right? And that can be an advantage. It's a definitely a disadvantage athletically, but it can be an advantage in terms of, uh, you know, maturation and whatnot when they come back. How have you handled that and tried to use that to your advantage? Well, the, the, the one thing that you want on any team is to be able to go into a tough venue, say Oklahoma State or Arizona State or Gonzaga, whatever it is, and just not have your guys be intimidated. And, you know, it, it, as tough as these guys are mentally and as strong as they are, as good athletes, that, that happens sometimes. I mean, it just, it just happens. You guys have been around athletics um, just as much as me, and you know that that's kind of – if you go into somewhere and you're intimidated in any way, shape, or form, you're, you're not going to win. I mean, you're not going to be successful at all. And I think with the with the you take like a Justin Sterner, he spent two years in Samoa. He's not going to be intimidated by by some guy in the third row yelling at him. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And that filters down. And so the young guys can see how the older guys are reacting. And it just it kind of feeds upon itself. And so I think that just, you know, being able to perform under pressure, keep a calm head, have great perspective about why we're really here, um, social, academic and then, you know, athletics. It just uh, it just makes for a, a great culture, really. Mike Littlewood, BYU baseball coach, with us on BYU Sports Nation. When you are dealing with all of these moving parts and the fluidity of the situation, how do you remain in communication with your guys? Well, we use an app. We've used it for three years uh, called Pronto. Um, we use it to download uh, video as, as far as, like, um, just scouting video. It's just how we communicate, and so – we can DM through Pronto, and that, that's how I've been. Uh, like, for instance, yesterday I got the grade report. What is today? Wednesday? I, Monday I got the grade report. And, um, <laughs> I don't know what that I don't is. Know either, They're yeah. the same now. You know, yeah, it ended in a Y. I know that. But So <laughs> I, so yesterday I just um, I reached out to eight guys and talked to them and, and uh, reached out to a, a couple extra guys just to see how they're doing. And a couple guys down in McKay Barn talked to McKay Barney and told him how great he was doing in class. Um and he said that he and, and Sean Rimmer had gone out and hit. So I'm just trying to stay in touch with them that way. Um, just to let them know that, that um, you know, we're still alive up here and hopefully they're doing well. And kind of just kind of, I, I think it's a great opportunity for us to reach them on a different level. And it's amazing how the, the four or five days we were allowed to practice after the season 
were four or five of the best practices we've had the entire year because all the defenses are, were dropped. Um, they could relax. We could we could actually just have nice, calm conversations at the batting cage um, without them having to think, oh, I've got to do this in order to get in the lineup. It was just really relaxed, and we got a lot of work done. And those that week after, after um, the season was canceled was really a blessing to us to be able to work with our guys and just be around them and kind of help their mental state a little bit and help ours as well. Along those lines, who was developing nicely? Who were you hoping to uh, see more of that you didn't get to see? Well, I think our infielders, those, um, you know, we started four freshman infielders a lot. Um, Cutter Clawson's going to go on a mission, but Peyton Cole's coming back. At, at, he was uh, played third a lot. They were all high school shortstops. Brock Watkins at short, um, Andrew Pintar, uh, you know, some of those guys that were going to be in there every single day. I, I was really excited to see their their growth and development. But on the pitching side, I mean, um, Cy Nielsen threw great against Oklahoma State, one of the best Big 12 teams. You know, they won the, the championship last year. Um, I think he would have just made people's jaws drop. And Bryce Robison and Robison, I know, uh, Spencer, I, I watched your, the Utah Valley. There's a debate there. <laughs> We've talked about we, it a we lot. Call him, we call him Roby, and he's like, it's it's Robison, but I like Roby, so just call me Robison. So <laughs> yeah, I don't want to offend anybody. But but really, I mean, I just – all those freshmen, I think we played 15 freshmen um, in, the, in the first 16 games. It's just unheard of, and they all just went out and competed. Uh, it's just – it's going to be a really exciting team to, to coach in the future. Mike Littlewood with us on BYU Sports Nation, uh, clarifying last names for us. Thank little, you very little much, wood. Coach. Yeah, little wood. Uh, no, I love that. Uh, we've talked a ton about how young your team was, but do you feel like they got enough real game experience to grow adequately before the season's abrupt halt? No. Um, I think we, we saw 30% of the growth that we were going to be able to see. Um, to, to be able to, to be in league play, not that non-conference don't, games don't matter because they truly do, but just there's a different feel about conference games and the pressure that goes along with those. And uh, every game's a must win if you want to, to win your league. And I was really excited to, to see if, if these young kids could go in there and, and win the league. I mean, I, I really was looking forward to seeing those guys compete because I know the talent. I know the talents there. Rarely do you win with young at a high level with young, young players. It, it usually takes juniors and seniors to be able to win at a high level. And, and so I was, uh, I was a little anxious. But I was also super excited to see what how they would grow and develop. And hopefully their summer leagues will continue uh, that start in mid-June. They'll be able to go out. Um, it's unique for us to go to be able to go out and play 60 games and get 200 at-bats, 250 at-bats, and get six or eight starts and um, see how they can progress that way. Coach, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, we wish you were in Studio B, and hopefully we'll see you in here soon. Uh, but we wish you good health and uh, a lot of good time with your family. Hey, if President Trump's right, I'll be in there the day after Easter, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, That's man. Yeah, Let's that, go. All uh, right, guys. I need blue goggles for that. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Mike Littlewood on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. <laughs> uh, no comment. Coming up, Jake Tulson's redemptive path back to BYU for a stellar senior season. I love the Easter Bunny. It's a big-time three-seed versus six-seed matchup in today's BYUSN Best Play of the Athletic Year Bracket. Will this bring the first upset? This is BYU Sports Nation. The BYUSN Best Play Bracket is presented by doTERRA.
Want to relive some of the great games from the past year or years past? Go to BYUtv.org or the BYUtv app where you can access BYUtv's library of games. Welcome back to Studio B. The show must go on with Jerem Jordan. I'm Spencer Linton. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. In a video conference call yesterday, Kalani Satake said Jason Ayu and Jack DeMuni have taken over recruiting responsibilities uh, as the coordinators there after the departure of Alema Fatissimano. Contrary to other reports, specific job titles and descriptions have yet to be assigned. Men's basketball. Yoli Childs of BYU basketball ranks 41st out of 50. Too low. According to SB Nation's list of the best men's college basketball players in 2019-2020, Childs, not surprisingly, has hired an agent in preparation for the NBA draft. Gymnastics. Abby Stainton and Haley P2 received all MRGC Bars honors. The rest of the awards and honors will be out today. Uh, I just saw this on Twitter, and this is fascinating, before we get to our best play bracket from the Los Angeles Times. And I quote, imagine waking up Christmas morning, exchanging gifts with the family, having a midday brunch, and then gathering around the television to watch Game 6 of the World Series. There is an idea that has the full 162 Major League Baseball season extending into Christmas with the World Series. That's... who came up with this idea? Brady, Scott, P- Brady Scott, Papinga? Scott Boris. No. Not surprising. A sports yeah. agent. Yeah, the Yankees are going to host a game in November. <laughs> like, well, they're, already like, ho- they're already hosting games sometimes in November. It's one thing to do November, November 4th, and the, like the last game. <laughs> it's another do it November 30th. Merry Christmas. World Series no. baseball. If you could play indoors, yes, but there's no guarantee that Holy you're going to have cow. Southern states and indoor facility. No, it's random. So Toronto's in for sure. Like what? shorten the season, play 120 games, play 100 games. Come on. Finally, baseball will shorten the season. Yes, <laughs> all it took was a pandemic. Okay, now as promised, the next matchup in the BYUSN best play of the season bracket presented by DoTerra. A friendly reminder of how this works. Our very hardworking selection committee found the top eight plays from BYU football last season and the top eight plays from BYU basketball season. And we are pitting them against each other in bracket fun to find out the best play of the athletic year for BYU. Go to vote.byutv.org and cast your vote each day. Polls close at 11 a.m. Eastern time and we'll announce the results during BYU Sports Nation. In fact, right now, let's do it. All right, first item of business within this bracket fun. Let's see which play you decided should move on to the next round from yesterday. Number two seed TJ Haas and his game winner at Houston, not surprisingly, in a landslide, takes out Chaz Ayu as the seventh seed in his strip recovery at Toledo. The game winner moving on 91% of that vote for TJ Haas at Houston. Yeah, no shock there. All right. So for those bracket buster enthusiasts at home that are following along, TJ's game winner will move on to face the winner of tomorrow's matchup between Yoli's dunk against Gonzaga and Dax Milne's touchdown catch against USC. Now for today's matchup on the screen, uh, the football three seed is a Matt Bushman TD catch from a reverse flea flicker from Baylor Romney putting BYU up 28-10 against Boise State. It's a handoff to Katoa. It's a give to Hefo. It's a flea flicker and a throw to Bushman. It's complete and another touchdown! 39-yard score on the reverse flea flicker. Oh, I love BYU Great. beating Boise State. Yeah, and was that even hard? 
It was the third-string quarterback for BYU and the fifth-string running back. Was it even hard to beat 14th-ranked Boise State? <laughs> that play squares off against a game that was re-aired on ESPN just a night or two ago. BYU basketball against Virginia Tech. The six-seed TJ Haas here getting fancy off an inbounds play at the Maui invite against the Hokies and scoring a memorable and-one. We'll enter it off the backside of and the Hokies, and he scores! Mark the Rabu! I did that once. That was awesome. He bounced it <laughs> off of Jalen Cohn's backside and lays it up and in with the foul for the 50-48 to 48 <laughs> lead and a chance for a three-point play. Oh, Mark Durant move. I nope. did that once. No one's more excited about it than Mark Durant. <laughs> and when you get real excited, you get into this register. We have established that, right? Cast your vote now by going to vote.byutv.org right now. The Bushman flea flicker uh, with essentially a 4-1 to one lead, uh, about 80% to TJ Haas, 20%. Yeah, I'll be surprised if uh, the Bushman Flea Flicker doesn't win because BYU fans love a, a win versus a rival, right? Um, and Boise State being ranked in the top 15. That Baylor-Romney's right arm cost Boise State millions of dollars. It just did. And it's just delicious. Yes, it is. We just all love oh. the taste of that win. Oh, my goodness. That play yes. by TJ, yeah, was incredible. And uh, just that, that was just the taste, speaking of... Of this team, and when they beat Virginia Tech, I was like, oh, okay. He was pretty good. Uh-huh. This is awesome. Jeremy, as we discussed yesterday in reference to Baylor Romney, Ty Detmer is just a poor man's Baylor Romney. <laughs> as an OC or a player? <laughs> which one? I kid, I which, kid. Which one are we talking about? Oh. We love the Tiesman. Come on. Yes, we do. Coming up, the top five games this season from your boy, Jake Tools. Speaking of Jake the Make, our deep blue features his path away from and then back to BYU. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Are you a demanding person? Well, you're in luck. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast and you can have the show on demand audibly and subscribe, rate, and review. I thought that was a question for me, and my answer to that question would be no. (laughs) But I do like things on demand. That is fun. We all like what we want now. (laughs) Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton. Now a look at the path that Jake the Make Toulson took away from BYU to Utah Valley University and then back to BYU. This is Jake Toulson presented by Tim Daly Nissan in Deep Blue. Jake has had a unique journey during his college career. He arrived at BYU earlier than we all expected. So his first time around at BYU, it was kind of hard because he had just not gone on his mission, which he had been planning on and prepared for so long. And so that year was really hard for him, just like facing all the shame and guilt that he had. I wasn't necessarily ready for what I was getting myself into. Those were the times where I I had to dig deep and I had to, to really decide what I wanted for myself. And as much as he loved basketball, he knew that he had to take a step back and get healthy in all areas of his life in order for him to move forward. I was carrying so much weight from things that had happened in my life and and I needed to hit refresh and, and start clean. Sarah's support pushed me to be the best that I can. There was a time when, when I thought I wouldn't play basketball ever again. I, I didn't know, you know, where or how or if I was good enough. She really encouraged me to follow my dream because she knew that's what I loved. There's a lot of young women at the time 
in my opinion, who would have cut and run. And she has been his rock throughout this whole journey. We'll love her forever for that. A lot of times when you think too much, get in your head, it's just, it makes things harder. So I feel like in that way, I've been able to support him and just help him relax and just have fun with this because in the end, what is it if you didn't have fun, you know? He didn't know what the future held for him. As it turned out, it wasn't here at BYU. I decided to, to follow Coach Pope and, and go to UVU, play basketball. It's been kind of a crazy journey for me, but I'm grateful for it. And under Coach Pope's leadership, Jake really found himself as a player. And ever since, he's continued to just grow and develop, not just on the court, but we're so proud of who he is as a husband and as a father. And now he's come full circle to fulfill a dream that he had as a young boy. I don't know if I've ever seen a player grow more as a human being and as a basketball player in their college career than Jake Toulson. It's been astonishing and breathtaking and moving and inspiring what he's worked to become. Toulson up for three. 14 now for Jake. He's hitting 44%. He's become a great All-American basketball player. And what he's accomplished on the court pales in comparison to the human being that he's grown into. It's, it's been really special to be with him. Looking back now, I'm grateful for those experiences because they helped shape me into the person that I am and taught me a lot about life. When you're faced with adversity, you have a choice. You know, you could give into it and you could say, poor me, why is this happening to me? Or you can step up and you can say, you know what? I never thought this was going to happen, but I'm, I'm going to, to make something of it. And I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can. And I'm going I'm to put my faith in, in Heavenly Father. And, he, and he's going to direct me. And that's what I've tried to do. As Jake's college career comes to an end, it's been a time of reflection for me of, uh, of the journey. It's a great testament to faith and diligence and commitment, and those are the attributes that he's portrayed. Jake is one of those guys that he's not just a talker, he's gonna put the work in. When he gets a look in his eye, you know he's gonna make every shot, make every play. He's able to score at all three levels. He's one of the most efficient offensive players in all of college basketball. And defensively, he rarely shows up on our radar for defensive issues. He's become a great defensive ball screen. He's great in transition defense. He's rebounding the ball better and better every single day. He is an All-American, and it's not easy to get there. And to do it, you have to be a big-time player. He doesn't do anything halfway, you know? Like, he goes all in or not at all. Jake's one of those guys that off the floor, easygoing, loves talking about the NBA, loves talking about his kids, really cares, wants to get to know you. You know, he's a guy that his back's hurting him and he's going to go help his neighbor move. You know, he's just an unbelievable kid that way. Regardless of how the rest of the season goes and regardless of if he has a, a career after college, it doesn't matter because he has become a wonderful husband, a wonderful father, wonderful friend. We're so proud of him and Sarah and the family that they have. What a season for Jake Toulson and what a great story. Cute baby. Oh my goodness.
He's got uh, he's got him ready. ready he can to make roll. shots like Jake. He's got him ready to roll. Yeah. Uh, look at the numbers that Jake the Make put up. Fifteen point two points per game. Shot almost fifty percent from the forty seven percent from the three point line. I don't know the NCAA minimums, but that on NCAA.com is listed as second best in the country. Uh, he made eighty five threes, which was twenty sixth in the country. Um, twenty six more than anybody else on the team. Uh, he led the team with a, a, in. Three-point field goals. He was an amazing piece to add. And when Mark Pope was hired as the coach, I said to you, ah, it'd be nice to get Jake back, but I don't, I don't see it. Because I just didn't think that Jake was going to come back. And he did. And he's talked about how this was the best year of his life. Not season of basketball. Year of his life. And so it was awesome to have Jake kind of put a, put a bow on his story of coming to BYU. And he's Danny Ainge's nephew. And he had a legacy, right? And and he came and was an amazing part of one of the best BYU teams ever. Jake was so good that with Yoli Child sitting out nine games, BYU was still able to go six and three. Him teamed up with TJ Haas and the other seniors and Zach Selius and Dalton Nixon. They they were a tournament team without Yoli Childs, yeah. probably on the bubble. Then they got Childs back and it took them to that next level. But he was so good that BYU, even without Yoli, were, was winning games on the road against Houston and beating Virginia Tech and UCLA and Maui. It's pretty incredible, the testament to what he was and what he meant to this BYU team. And in two games, the two biggest wins at home against St. Mary's, he sprains his ankle and just plays on it. What? And then against Gonzaga, he cracks his face into uh, Patrushev, and then he plays uh, the rest of those games. He's only out for a couple minutes. Yeah. Then, Crazy. Uh, he hits five threes, uh, most of them from outside Provo City limits. Against Gonzaga. Cougar Town, circle oh 05. Oh, my goodness. So, so fantastic. And uh, we're not done with Jake quite nope. yet. Okay, coming up, which BYU signee is digging ditches for local farmers right now out of boredom? Yes, more Jake Toulson. We count on his top five games of the season next on BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Bodyguards, protection for a life worth living. It is Wednesday, and this is BYU Sports Nation, the show available on demand anytime via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. And you can always subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. So, Jerem, because it's Wednesday, I think we should do a Top 5 Tuesday is that, does that Why sense? not? Everything's thrown off right now. It's all good. <laughs> Life's weird. Presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Today's top five in honor of the fictional 40-foot buzzer beater made by Jake Toulson to send BYU to a make-believe Sweet 16 on Joe Lenardi's bracket. Why not? At number five, Jerem, take it away. February 6th at Portlandia. Jake Toulson hits six threes. Yeah, baby. He hit four in the first half, finished tied for a game high with 22 points and a blowout win over Terry Porter's Portland Pilots. 85-54 in the Yoli Childs Center. Ooh. Number four. You know the saying, more is better? Of course you do. Well, if six threes in a game is good, seven is better against Pepperdine. Toulson lighting up the Marriott Center, hitting a season-high seven threes. The Cougars scored a season-high 107 points. Pepperdine scored 80 and lost by 27. Toulson led the Cougars with 25 points. 
Number three at Utah. Toulson had 27 points in a losing effort after uh, Yoli Childs uh, returned. This was his first game cramped up. Unfortunately, BYU loses an OT. But this is where it was like, oh, Toulson can be the alpha on this team as well. He'd had some good games, but this was his best game to this point. Second most points in a game in this season. He was a perfect three for three from three and carried BYU with Childs on the bench for late stretches in that game. Number two. In the biggest game of BYU season at home against Gonzaga, the Cougars needed every player to step up, and Toulson did that and more. 17 points, including more than one ridiculously deep threes. His only field goals of the game were all from beyond the arc. Five threes against Gonzaga. Jake, the make, legendary performance. And the number one game for Jake Toulson this year. At Pacific, 28 points, a season high, albeit in the dark, on January 23rd, where he went six of eight from three, hitting three in a row during a stretch, hit four threes during a four-minute stretch, including those three. (laughs) That was the game after the Gonzaga loss in Spokane and the return of Yoli Childs as well after missing four games with the compound fracture of the finger. This was important for Jake Toulson to, and this was the... the dagger. Yeah, BYU wins this game going away a little bit, but this was a dangerous game and Jake Toulson stepped up and made it so this wasn't one of those losses. It was 55-53 and then three minutes of game time later it was 69-53. Nice. All because of Jake Toulson. That's impressive, man. Our question of the day. What has you excited as you look ahead to next year's BYU basketball team? Another year of Jake Toulson? I wish. No. I wish. Are you lead voice of the day? Presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from Bayo Este on Twitter. Seeing how the players play their hearts out for a chance to earn another trip to the NCAA tournament. Seeing the fans appreciating the opportunity to watch basketball and be all in every game as if it were the last game of the year. Okay, so that's a projection on what could be. Hashtag balance restored. Hashtag Thanksgiving all year. Today's rise in shout outs. Uh, mine goes to BYU signee Spencer Johnson, who will join the team this summer. Uh, he's back home in Eastern Oregon. He played at Solid Community College, averaged 13 a game. He said he got bored and went to work for some local farmers to keep busy. He's digging irrigation ditches and planting cantaloupe seeds. Yeah, thumbs up. Let's do this. Spence. Spencer Johnson. There we go. My rise and shout-out goes to BYU Athletics, the folks involved there that had the fabulous idea to send out pictures for Zoom conference backgrounds. Yeah, you can do a virtual background. I've downloaded two. We're all doing conference calls these days, it seems. Why not be in an awesome BYU backdrop? Perhaps this show will be Zoom at some point on social. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. We it hope could not. be. Our thanks to today's guest, Mike Littlewood. And sorry to didn't spend it. No time, bro. For Jerem, I am Spencer. Shout out to Matty Ayu. See you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs. World Series Game 6 on Christmas?